Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Teach Golf. Um, thank you ever so much for all the great feedback I've been receiving about the podcast. It's something I'm really, really enjoying doing. And today I'm going to go away from what I would call on the tea coaching, um, on the tea teaching, and going to go into an area of, of golf that I'm very, very, my level of knowledge is very, very basic. Um, so I thought I would get an expert in to talk about the art and science behind custom fitting. So who better for me to talk to than um, golf principles, founder and owner, Mr. Jason McNiven. Jason, how are you, mate? Duncan, I'm all right. Hey, how's things? Yeah, very, very good. Enjoying this beautiful summer we're having in the UK. Well, I'm roasting in that studio. It's like a sauna. So... <laughs> So, Jason, thanks for coming on today. Um, just trying to get a background. When you first get into golf, um, tell me about you growing up uh, and how you ended up at Golf Principles. Okay, well, I suppose it's a long tale, but it will start. I'll give you the short version. Uh, I was a golf pro by trade. I was a decent player. I wasn't great. I was okay. Played at a decent level. Um Worked at some golf clubs like Guildford Golf Club, went to Coombe Hill. And then at Coombe Hill, I actually my foot, I had a sort of a demo day experience with Callaway. I was helping the demo day. And one of the guys there called Sean Brady, who now runs TaylorMade sort of experiential thing, who was at Callaway for years, said, oh, you've got a good eye for this. You should do it as a job. At that point, I laughed and went, you're an idiot. Um, that's not a job. Um, I said, a lot, you know, thanks very much. Anyway, a few, about two months later, I got a phone call saying there's a job going as a demo day guy. In Callaway, I went, oh, I just had a chat and, you know, the money was good and there was travel involved. And I thought, you know what, I might try this. So basically I did. So I left Coombe Hill, joined Callaway, went to the States, got brainwashed by Callaway for three weeks, which was brilliant. It was a great experience in Carlsbad, California. Came back, traveled around the UK and Europe doing demo days, seeing the best and the worst golfers in the world. I did my 10,000 hours pretty quick. Um and was good at it. Was told I was good at it. People liked the results. So I was getting good feedback. I suppose the ego gets involved and you start sort of going, oh, I'm good at this. And then it grows and grows and grows. And so I ended up doing the performance center at Callaway in Chessington that some of the guys might have been to. That was my baby. I set that up. Wow. And then I went to TaylorMade uh, in back end of, well, it might have been 99, 2000. And I did lots of things there like operations and sales and logistics and learned lots of things. And then one of my old sponsors uh, called Richard Caring bought Wentworth, which was a bit of a surprise. And I got a call one day saying, have a chat, come to London. Went into his office and he said, uh, what would you do with Wentworth? I went, well, you've always loved it. You make it the best in the world. It could be the best in the best ever. So mm -hmm. I said, I'll give him my vision for it. He went, great, you can run it. And that's when I first bumped into you and the boys like John and all the, yeah. rest, the rest of the crew and Bradley, who I bumped into the other day at Queenwood, DC Adam Scott again. And um, it was just, yeah, I just, just fell into it, really. And, and I'm, long story short, I basically fell into it. Uh, yeah. But I had a thirst for learning. I've liked products all the time. I love golf clubs. It's one of the things, you know, I, I say this all the time. I don't smoke, I don't drink, but I definitely love golf clubs. I buy golf clubs. So, yes. And so for me, I, I've always been the, the product guy. I've always married the swing to the product, if you like, Um and so for those of you out there who are looking to get into the industry or looking at sort of different avenues, there's lots of things in golf and the technology side. I know we're going to talk about that stuff in a minute, but yeah. this is becoming more and more important. Custom fitting or being fitted at whatever level is now seen as a standard issue. You know, years ago, it was sort of the holy grail for the better player. I'm not mm -hmm. good enough to get fitted. But actually, when you look at it, the ones that aren't very good need to get fitted because they need the help the most. Yeah. So, um, and then what, what, you know, and it's basically, and the business evolved. I left Wentworth and I worked for TaylorMade again with a guy called Ben Sharp, who now runs Top Tracer. Yes. Um, and I worked for Ben and I was doing some operational stuff there, like custom workshop, custom experiential. And I, I basically, my dad plays golf off 18. He's terrible, right? He's terrible. He drives like Greg Norman, puts like Barry Norman. He's horrendous, right? But he loves, <laughs> but he loves the game. And uh, I was going to buy my present as a fitting. Uh, and he said, oh, I'm not good enough. It's too expensive. I said, hang on a minute. That's not right. If it was a price for a lesson, would you get fitted? He went, of course I would. I said, right. So that, 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 that to me was a red flag. So I'm very, mm. um, as you know, quite 
uh, meritocracy-wise. I think everyone should have the information. So on the back of a credit card, this is madness, in 2007-8, think of a worse time to do it, we set up golf principles and we were doing shaft selling from a downstairs toilet. Anyway, so we stocked shafts in the US and sold them to various club fitters and club makers around the country. And there was a massive gap in the market for someone that was just neutral and honest and had choice. So in the end, we did, on the back of a credit card, like I say, the studio. It's just madness when you think about it now. I mean, you put the business plan together and someone would die. Um, <laughs> and we and we just went for it. And we found a place in Basingstoke, which is about 10 minutes from TaylorMade, which wasn't where I was looking because I live 25 miles away. Mm-hmm. And it evolved and we survived and we kept growing and we kept growing and got some staff and we kept getting bigger. And now I've got a place in Essex and I've got a place in Stelling Basingstoke, which I still call basically home. Um, but it's all about doing the right thing, looking after the customer. And if, you, and if it's not right, fixing it and working with coaches across all levels of methods and spectrums, trying to help their clients get better. And the, the way I often sort of, sort of say to people is that my customers are pretty specific. They're golfers that are trying to get better. They're having a good level of coaching and they're serious about trying to improve. Our job is to facilitate that improvement with the right fitted clubs. Now that will change. Obviously if you're a young kid or if you're an older person or da, 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 that, that, that's a moving feast and it can change. And you know, we've been 12 years trading now and we've seen guys three or four times that have had injuries or got better or got older or whatever, whatever, or change mm-hmm. methods. And that mm-hmm. needs, and that needs a change of equipment, but you know, we're there for them as a support function. Um, most of our clients or customers, I say clients, customers become, you know, good acquaintances, almost friends. Yeah. And they can ask us anything about, you know, what, what am I doing, doing this, doing that. We work with a lot of good players, work with a lot of bad players. You know, we are very much an open house. I've tried to create an atmosphere which is very welcoming and saying, right, you know, just whatever you want to ask, just come in and ask. I don't really get too uh, precious about that, you know. It's, it's, it's an open forum, I think. It's very important. So you're, I know you've got two facilities, so uh, take each one okay. on its own. So basically, well, basically, Basingstoke's the original. So it's 1,300 yeah. square feet indoor warehouse unit. So it's freezing cold in the winter and hot as hell in the summer. So we've got the workshop in there. We've got the Trackman 4. It's an enclosed sort of like cage, black, you know, black, black. So the screen looks really nice and sharp. Um, we do all brands from Homna PXG down to, you know, Cleveland or whatever. So we do across the spectrum in terms of brands from up to down. Um, we try and have a choice for everybody. Uh, so not just, you know, oh, you, you can't, you know, you've got to spend two grand on a set of irons. That's not what we're about. Um, a lot of our work is reshafting in terms of, you know, a lot of people come in like today, this morning, guy come in. Set of Mizuno's shafts are a little bit dead for him. You know, don't want to change the heads, but we'll change the shafts, and that's our business model. Essex, uh, Abridge Golf and Country Club, is slightly different. We've mirrored the same size of net and enclosure, so it's about a thousand square feet in the caddy room, also the bag store. We've made that we've made that looking exactly the same as the uh, Basingstoke branch, if you like. Mm-hmm. But Essex has got a three hundred thirty yard grass range, which is great. So that's massive for the guys that want that visual cement or that reinforcement to see the ball fly. Because, you know, a track man's great and it's, you know, a great bit of kit. And I couldn't do what I do without it. But sometimes that visual of seeing that little white ball go whoosh does help. So, yeah, I mean, I always remember standing with you. I think the first time I was kind of, first time I experienced spin rates, launch yeah. angles. I can still remember standing on the range at Wentworth and you were, you were talking about the two windows kind of before uh, radar was, was popular or launch yeah. monitors were popular. We had that, um, we had the original vector. That's which, right. Which was not easy to set up. I think more oh, it was a definite challenge it did. That. Yeah, it was a definite challenge. But, but you're right. I mean, at that, that point in time, you know, the old stuff that we were told years ago, the first bounce being up and not down, that tells you the spin's right because it's obviously like a top spin tennis forehand. It still stands true today. You've got two eyes, two ears and one mouth and use them in those proportions. And a lot of guys would be, would be best served using that analogy, frankly. Yeah. And, a lot of guys, oh, I say it's a podcast and I'm talking forever now, 10 minutes in, I'm still talking. But, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, you've got eyes and ears, they work, right? 
So all Trackman does is reinforce what I'm saying is fact or fiction. What it does do, it stops the fairy tale and the um, embellishment, should we say, of different facts and figures. It's mm. pretty brutal. I'm I'm pretty well known for being direct with somebody and saying yes. that's good or that's bad. And in professional sport, that's what you have to be. It is. I mean, golf is gladiatorial. It doesn't look like it, but it is. It's, it's kill or be killed. So you have to have that assassin's eye and say that doesn't work, you know. Or if it does work, you've got to know that there's a certain limit that's going to give you. Um, and we don't get involved in a golf lesson. So one thing I've, when I've, when I've taught guys around the world to fit, you're not there for a golf lesson. You're there to facilitate the person playing better. You need to tell them sometimes to understand that the delivery, say three, four degrees down with a driver isn't very good. Go and fix it with somebody. Um, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the time they're being sent to us by a coach. So the coach is this really important, this relationship between the fitter and the coach. I've been to some seminars and some guys have been saying, yeah, you know, I, I do half an hour of technique and then I fit them for half an hour. Like, wow, really? I'm sure the coach is happy about that. Um, you know, I always ask the question, who are you coaching? Who coaches you? Where do you go? Where do you play? What ball do you use? Any injuries? What are you working on? Just stuff like that. So you get an understanding of what this guy's hopes and fears are. You know, it's no good you giving him a soft shaft if he wants to stand there and not hook it, right? Or whatever it may be. So you can't just bowl in. And just because someone's young, old, male, female, left hand, right hand, tall, short, you can't have any preconceptions of what they're going to do. You, you just have no concept. I mean, look, if Macro walked through the door, you'd go, wow, okay, come and then hit a few shots. And all of a sudden, this thing goes busting through the net. You go, wow. Because your mindset is preconceived that this guy's not going to hit it very far. Equally, you can get a big rugby guy in who looks like an absolute tank and he can't hit it past his shadow. So, you know, you've got to have a very open mind when you fit. And that's probably why I quite like it. I guess I'm, I would probably say, slightly autistic in that respect. So I'm a bit scatterbrained. Um, and, that, and, that sort of, and that sort of randomization where someone can walk in the door today and be completely different to the next guy in an hour's time probably fits my eye perfect. I couldn't do that repetition, repetition, repetition gig, I would be, mm -hmm. I would be on, I'd be on suicide watch, I'll be honest. Um, so the guys that teach on the range, I have respect for because, you know, that's not an easy gig to stand there and give a quality golf lesson five, six, seven hours on the, on the trot. That's hard. So I, mm -hmm. I, I, have, I have a lot of respect for those guys who do that. But equally, I will call it if someone's, you know, coming in with a load of tosh and saying, oh, I'm not sure that's right, you know. So yeah. I think that, you know, we've grown our reputation to be what it is. And, you know, I've got good staff that are really, really right behind me that I've trained uh, my guys. And the Essex boys are coming on board. They're like 15, 16 months in now. And they're, they're getting it. It takes time, right? You can't just walk in and be a self-confessed expert. Um, as you know, no. you've, got to, you've got to do the hard yards. And um, the one thing I'd say about the facilities between Essex and Basingstoke, wedge fitting indoors is really hard. You can get... You can get kind of close, but there's nothing quite like hitting a wedge off turf and going, that's perfect. So that's the one That's the one benefit Essex has over Basingstoke is that a wedge fitting is, is a little bit easier off turf in Essex than it is in Basingstoke. You still get to the same outcome, but it just is a little bit easier, I have to say. So it, let's just say I've, I've booked in for a session with you. You've never met me before. Yep. Um, how does that kind of work and kind of run us through the first five minutes? Yeah, off the... I mean, when someone phones up, we'll ask them, you know, you know, what you're coming in for, driver, fairway, irons, you know, putter, whatever. Um, that'll go in the, in the book in terms of the, the we're all in the cloud. It's all technology driven now. You know, all kind of doing the podcast. Um, it's all in the cloud. The boys, yeah. the boys can see what's going on. If it's a rework, reshaft, then within the first five minutes, they're hitting their own clubs. Um, we have a chat about the game. We try and make them feel relaxed. Obviously, if it's a bit of football or anything like that, or whatever, um, or the golf, um, just have a general chit chat. It is quite loose and quite um, low key. I'm not going to stand there and give them a full interrogation with a questionnaire. It's mm -hmm. very much you hit some shots. I'll have a chat. I have a sort of a stock phrase: "You swing, I talk." Um, yeah, and I quite like that because it gets them to sort of get in motion and get some swings going. The good thing about what we've got in Basingstoke and in Essex is the ceilings are very high. They're like five meters high. 
Yeah. And that's really good because there's natural light. And well, there is in Basingstoke. Essex is a bit closed off, but it's, in, it's a high ceiling. So pe- mm. people feel relaxed. There's plenty of space. They don't feel constricted. I've been to some places that feel really small, like a prison cell. Yeah, and, I was going to ask you, do you feel as though yeah. that, that's a huge advantage, having that open feeling, because someone coming in might feel already under pressure because they're meeting you for the first time. They don't really know what they want. Um, and they're, they're indoors hitting a golf ball into a net. And... Duncan, is it, it's basically you're exposing all your weaknesses. You're exposing yourself yeah. to someone you don't know and saying, this is what I've got. This is me. And, and that's very, very, uh, should we say, scary. You know, some people mm. can genuinely, and they can be very successful people, they can lose their bottle on the mat. They step on the mat and they just melt. And they, mm. you, you get the old classic, oh, I never shank. Well, yeah, you do. Of course you do. But today you, you are particularly bad because it magnifies yeah. all your faults. And you have to explain to somebody, this is why you're hitting a certain shot and this is where you're presenting the club in a certain way. It's what's causing the problem. So that's where you're trying to put them at ease and say, that, yeah, and I have in the past stopped fits and gone, this is this is over. You have to hit some shots in front of somebody else in terms of lessons um, to basically get better than come back. And I have stopped the fit. I have stopped it more than once and said, okay. look, this is this is not happening. You need to go and see somebody because you're wasting yeah. your time, your money and my time. I don't care about my time, but I'm not taking money off you under false pretenses to turn around for you to turn around and say, the old boomerang set, they come whizzing back at you. I can't hit mm. that. Well, yeah. that's that, that, that's not fair on anybody. So I, I would rather be up front with someone and say, look, go and see somebody. You know, and, and then you know, that's when you have the discussion about where do you live, what do you want to work on, what do you like to sort of feel during a lesson, you know, and, and then go from there. So I know you can be a bit of a guide in if people want to get lessons but currently aren't having them because of because of your experiences within the golf industry and the yeah. continued learning that you put yourself through, I know you can pretty much guide people to... Yeah, look, we, to, I'll, to I'll really be honest, you know, the thing is, having been in the industry now for since 91, 27 years, I know most of the people who are worth going to see. And so, you know, I have a, I have a deep respect and understanding of these guys, as you know, and, and I still go on these courses to learn yeah. because I think it's really important. For those of you who don't know me, I'm 47 and a bit podgy. But, you know, I, I just want to learn still. I, re- I think it's really important. If someone is really, really good in their field or supposedly good in their field, I want to go and see if they are. And if they are, you go, wow, that's really impressive. I've learned something today. That's, that's amazing. That's great. That's what you never stop learning. I think if someone mm. thinks they've got all the, all the answers, you probably have a bit of a charlatan on your hands. And, mm. you know, if someone lives in a certain area, I will put them in that area and say, look, go and speak to this guy or this guy, have a lesson, see if you connect and bond. And if it does, great. And if not, go and see another guy. You know, uh, there are probably, this is a sad truth of the PGA, I probably guess as, as a proud PGA member, we, I, I know of a, probably about 15, 20 coaches around the country who I would think are really, really good. And there's about another 20 guys who are working their way up. And after that, it's pretty much of a, barren field at the minute um i think the boys are getting better i think the info is getting better but i think the mentoring this is another topic it's going off off topic but you know i think there could be better mentoring for the younger guys coming through because you know they're left to their own devices and it's kind of sometimes it would be good if they could be led and and mentored in, in, in the correct fashion but fundamentally you're right we can say to somebody right your mechanics look a bit like this this guy's really good at this go and see him or she's really good at this, go and see her. It really does open up all sorts, really. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast, going back to your you know, really good guys in the, in the areas, was to highlight the, the good coaches that, that are around the country that are obviously willing to share their information, willing to yeah, you know, about the coaches and bits and pieces. But Yeah, look, I think this is, this is what I call the classic Tomcat mentality. You know, back in the day, this is this is my territory. They they sort of like sent the territory. They you know they mark their territory, and don't come inside it. You know, look, I know a little bit about swing. I know a, a fairly good large amount about clubs and shafts, but you know, 
I would never say I know everything. So, you know, I would always bow to someone who knows more about mechanics or go biomechanics or golf swing or whatever. I want to learn. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and sometimes yeah. you bounce ideas off. And I think you've got to be more uh, eclectic and open to stuff and not just close it off and say, yeah, no, no, I can do it all for you. No, you yeah. can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. No. So when you're, when you're doing the talking and quizzing the person in the first five minutes, Jace, when the... They're hitting balls into the net, and obviously you, you're, you're now getting some data. Is, is there specific areas or specific numbers or data you're looking for? Yeah, look, look, when you're looking at someone's golf swing, I call it their signature or their DNA. There's a certain thing that they will do ad infinitum, right? They'll either come inside under, flipping it, that'll be me. They'll come steep over the top, chopping it. There's a certain thing that they will do because they're hardwired that way. That's the way they swing the golf club. So whatever you're doing or working on, they have a certain way of doing doing their golf swing. Now, they're having lessons or hopefully having lessons or maybe not having lessons, but they have a certain signature that they will repeat. And when someone says, oh, my swing's very inconsistent, that always makes me chuckle because you go, it might be inconsistent in strike, but it's mm. not inconsistent in terms of how you deliver the club. It's pretty much the same all the time, sir. Mm. So, you know, for... For the for the sort of you know what we're trying to do is identify you know what their attack is, what their path is, where the face is going, how's the shaft feel. Um, sometimes they don't feel anything. To be honest, they go well, don't, doesn't feel any different. There might be their first set of clubs. They go well, that's all the only clubs I've ever known. So you know it's difficult to sort of set, assemble that. Um, but you always try to find the, the key points that they're looking for. What do you want to do? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and making them understand the numbers, you're painting a picture from the numbers. Any monkey can read numbers from a, from a, from a TrackMan data point of view, right? You know, mm -hmm. You're four down, three left, one sharp, yeah. whatever, right? So the trick is to identify the key number that changes their mechanics or changes their outcomes. Let's say outcomes, because you're, yeah. you're, you're not trying to change their mechanics. You're trying to induce better mechanics by the shaft and the club working for them efficiently. Um, your job is to change their mechanics, but you're trying to induce that that enhancement, if you want to call it something. So you're looking yeah. for that, that that domino, that point where you go, right, if I change that number, I'm going to change that, that, and that number. And so, you know, what I call primary and secondaries, one of the key skills, I suppose you could say, that is my skill, is that you can identify a primary fault quite quickly and change it and say, right, okay, that's your primary. The other bits are secondaries. Let's focus on that. And and then you're just working around, you know, and, and I've done this before with articles and saying, right, get three shafts, light, medium and heavy, hit the, mm -hmm. three, hit the three of them, which one feels better, right? Because the one thing that I drives me up the wall is when someone says, oh, this should feel really good. How the hell do you know what they're feeling? You can, em yeah. can empathise with them. You can sympathise with them. But you can't tell me you know how they feel, you know. And that's why I still play tournament golf because – you know, you're out there and you're going to feel nervous and you're going to feel a little tight. You make some really poor swings and you hit some really poor shots. You go, gosh, you know, I know enough to not do that, but you still do it because mm. you're under pressure. So that's why I still play. That's why I think it's really important that, you know, coaches and people who fit still get out and play a bit of golf because it's too easy not to put yourself in that uh, situation where you feel like a bit exposed, like the person that walks through the door, first time that sees you for less and says, hi, my friend has seen you and says, you're really good. Can you help me? At that point, they're putting their complete trust and faith in you. If you said walk off, off the edge of a cliff, some of them probably would, you know. So you have to put that in context and say, right, that person's putting their trust and faith in me. They're giving me, you know, a, 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 a monetary value to sort it out. You know, you've got to do your best for them. So that's why, for me, it's really important that the, 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 the person feels relaxed, but they feel that they're part of the fit. And the, you explain the uh, the numbers in a, in a way which is very, very, uh, not so simplistic, but they can understand what means what. Yeah. So you mentioned the three shafts, light, medium, light, medium, heavy, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, so, that, yeah. Is that... Yeah. Is that and again, I might be oversimplifying things, but let's say I start with a 95-gram steel shaft. 
Yeah, okay. You and... go 95, 95, 115, 130. Let's make it really simple, right? Okay. So you go 95, 115, 130. You hit, you hit three or four shots with each one. Now, you don't hit more than three or four because you, otherwise you start getting a feel for something that's, that's kind of not quite reactionary. You know, there's a, a certain methods that I would call repair, training, and match. And you're trying to replicate a match, you know, which is one shot, one time. And that's, that's another podcast for another time because that would be really, <laughs> really interesting. But you're trying to replicate a match scenario. Golf, apart from penalty kicks, is the only time in sport or, or, or rugby kick in penalty terms where you've got one shot to take it on. You can't have another go. So mm. three or four goes is enough to give you a sensation of what it's doing before it starts becoming feeling, you know, so to say, normal. So yeah. three or four shots, three or four shots, which one feels better? Well, that one feels really dead. That one feels really light. That one feels about right. It's the old gold locks and the three bears scenario. Now, the clever yeah. part, if you want to call it that, is then say, right, you're roughly 115 grams. Now, do you want the weight in the butt or in the tip or in the middle? Okay. So then you've got the different balance points. So then you you go a little deeper. So you're right. The simplistic approach that you've got is, is, is the right one. Say, right, medium is good for you. You want a bit of weight towards the, the grip, the middle or the tip. Now, then you, then you have to have the choice of shafts and not just having one or two options of saying, right, that's a butt-weighted club, that's tipped more mass towards the bottom, and that one's in the middle. And then they hit three or four shots, and you start to identify very quickly where they're going to be good and bad. Okay, so if we go, we're going to say we're at 115, 115 grams. Yep. Explain a little bit difference between... Was it butt weighted, tip weighted? Yeah, I mean, basically, in balance point terms, if you get a shaft, which is basically a steel tube, you'll have more weight towards the grip end, more weight towards the head end, or the weight will be basically balanced 50-50. It's like a seesaw. Right? Imagine a yeah. seesaw. So you have some shafts that have more weight towards the, 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 the grip end, some, weight, some shafts have more weight towards the head end, and some will sit 50-50 on a balance. Now... There's no right or wrong. No. And, and, and fitting on speed is a no-no. Where you load the shaft, how you load the shaft, that's completely down to you. So, or your, your, your signature or your golf swing. So, you know, you're looking to try and create the most consistent ball speed, spin and launch numbers with whatever shaft that can be. And that's why you don't get too um, uh, boxed in with preconceptions because you might find you'll get surprised now and again. In fact, you will get surprised now and again. So you're trying to create the most consistent depth control. The clever part of fitting is to compress the bad shot near the good shot. So the good mm -hmm. shot is always good, but the bad shot doesn't hurt you as much. That's the skill in fitting. Anyone can give you a club that goes further. That's in the modern world with lofts getting stronger and stronger and the face is getting thinner and thinner. That, frankly, is a bit of a, a bit of, a, of a smoke and mirrors. The, the, the real secret is to get the launch and the spin consistent, so your depth control is consistent. And you work with a good player, and it's 175 over a trap. They want to hit it 176, 177 all the time. They don't want to be hitting mm -hmm. the 172s, because that's in the trap and dead, probably in it plugged. So, you know, you have to be very aware when you're working with somebody, what they're looking for. And I always very, very keen on this depth control and dispersion, obviously, but you've got to be able to bring it together. That makes any sense. Yeah. So would I be right in saying that a myth or a misconception with regards to shafts are that if you swing the golf club at 95 miles an hour with a driver, you're a stiff shaft? Not necessarily true. You could. Okay. I, have, I have fitted guys for between... X-Flex and soft regulars, depending on what they like the feel of. So I, the flex on a drive, the flex on shafts is like, wow, it's, 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 there's no standard, right? So, mm. you know, sometimes I just wish the companies would put nothing on them and just put, put a, a weight or even just put nothing on them. You know, yeah. sometimes the old blind tests are the best ones. Um, look, it all depends on how they load it. I mean, the way to think about it is this, if you've got two taps getting turned on and the pressure at the bottom is, same, but one is turned on short and sharp and one is a long slow turn but the pressure at the bottom i.e the speed's the same is the forces involved the same no one the short sharp is a much more violent transition than the slow winder so in that regards in sharp terms you'll probably fit the guy with the short sharp load a little heavier 
a little bit firmer because he's going to put more of a violent transfer of energy into that motion. The longer, slow winder, he might or she might have, you know, a lighter, softer shaft. You just don't know. You you just, mm-hmm. you have to, you don't know. You just don't know. But the one thing I would say is like misconception wise, the um, a lighter shaft is not always better. You know, this, this, this silver bullet panacea of lights and lighter, lighter is not always better, better, better. That's definitely true. You know, what I've seen. And it's the same between companies as well, isn't it? There's no standard oh, online. Goodness, I mean, you can you can get you can get a regular a firm and a stiff and a. Um, I mean, it's a it's, it's a minefield. I mean, literally, there's nothing that is standard. I mean, you have to just take it as a how can I put it? What you see is what you get, and just go right. Okay, whatever it is on the on the shaft, it doesn't matter. Just hit it. What the numbers like? How's it feel? That feels great. Well, actually, it's a regular. The guy falls off the mat and goes, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm my, I should be." Stuck. And you go, "Well, that's not necessarily true because look, did now you've got to try and dress it up and say, well, it's a quite a strong regular, so it's probably about a firm flex.' But did the, mm-hmm. so then you've got to be careful that you don't break the ego. I mean, the one thing is, you know, it's very difficult when someone comes in on the mat and they say, you know, how far do you at seven or six iron? They go, "I hit it one seventy with, with, with a six iron," and the thing comes up as one fifty five, and you go, "Wow." Okay, yeah. this is a toughie. And, and it's always kind of the tough discussion where you've got to say, look, you know, track man's track man, it's pretty accurate. Well, it's very mm-hmm. accurate, but you're pretty accurate. You know, if you get one that's really solid and you get a firm bounce downwind on the moon, it might get there. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be careful of that because, you know, someone's, they're normally pretty successful people and, you know, they don't like their. Ego's being dented, but sometimes if someone's being an idiot, I will tell them exactly what I what I'm seeing and saying. If I'm a baseball catcher and I'm at 170, you ain't touching me. Yeah. But equally, you've got to try and do it in a way where you go, look, you know, there are ways and means of getting you more efficiency. The biggest thing is to be efficient, right? If you look, you know, I I, I can speak as only myself in terms of, you know, if I'm 47 and I've got 83 miles now club SB with a seven iron, I can only hit it a certain distance. So if I've got to get it, you know, to be hitting it further, I've got to improve technically and move better. You know, you know, I can get a stronger loft. I can get a softer shaft. I can do other stuff, but you are where you are. That is exactly what you've got. And so my job is to improve what you've got and make it better. You know, Mm. we're not, we're not in the, you know, and I remember this phrase when we're not in these sort of, um, we are constructive and we're not, we're not Benigni trying to create a sculpture here. We're just trying to make you better. You know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of golfers or golf pros I've seen think they're sculptors are trying to create this great golf swing and da, da, da. Yeah. that takes so much time and effort from the player, not just, just you. I mean, yeah. if someone's with you three hours a day for a year, you might be able to do it. But mm. if you're playing once a week and you're hitting balls once a week, if you're lucky, Man, you need to keep on just keeping on getting better, better, better by small degrees, and that's regular coaching and regular lessons. You know, and I've I've seen that a lot with the people that see people regularly. You know, I know that one of the things I think is this is probably the thing. You know, you can't buy a golf game, right? I hate to do this, and this is probably the the worst advert in the world. But if you come into me, you are what you are. You're not going to buy a golf game that's better than what you've got. You'll be more efficient. You'll be more effective. You'll probably play a bit better but you'll still have your core mechanics. So if you're yeah. going to spend any money, find a good coach, see them once every four to six weeks minimum, you know, mm. and, and keep that pair of eyes going and relationship going and improve the technique, you know, small degrees at a time, you know. And if someone's lazy in coaching terms and they don't do that, it's probably time to leave them and move, move on to someone else. Um, but the duty of care is to say to somebody, look, you know, you can't buy a golf game. You know, but you can buy a better game, but you can't buy a golf game. That makes yeah, sense. It's a bit like you can't buy experience. Yeah, look, look, look. You know, you, you you've got enough miles on the clock as, as I have to to know that. You know, when you're working on on the game of golf, it's it's a game, right? And if people mm. get huffy about hitting it 25 feet away, wow, then you've definitely got you know issues. You know, yeah. it's a game, and the game is to be played. And the trouble is, you've got to dis- dis- dissolve the range and the golf course. And the, and the best way to do it is to try and marry the two. So you work on your game and take it onto the golf course. You know, I'm the world's best on the practice ground. I work on the first tee and melt like an ice cream. So, you know, it's 
it's very difficult to do. It's a hard game. There's so many multi-disciplines to it. It's hard to do it. It's a hard game. So going back to the multi-discipline part, let's say we've got a club head that's, we're in the ballpark, you're happy with the shaft, weight, yep. uh, balance yep. point, everything else. Talk a little bit about the importance of grip, grip fitting. Well, it's a funny one because it's the only part you touches the club, right? So, you know, people go, oh, any grip's fine. And you go, really? Oh, okay, that's interesting because it's the only part of you that's going to touch it. So I always kind of, uh, you know, it depends on the compound, something firmer, something softer, you know, the ridge in the back or the new stuff that's got the red line, which is basically a reminder on the outside for those who didn't know that. You mm -hmm. know, the size, the plus four, where you have it tapered down less. It all depends on, on what you like to feel. You know, I've got short fingers, so probably a bigger grip isn't really a good idea, but I like the idea of it not being so big because I can, I'm sort of so small, so I don't flick it as much. So you've always got to find a balancing act. Now, some guys can drive themselves mad with grips, but once you get a compound that you feel, that feels nice in my hand, and it might be you know, a natural rubber compound. It could be leather. It could be cord. Who knows, right? But and the difference between... The compound so say you've got a really soft grip and then we're going to something that's really firm whether it be a cord or, or yeah or i mean the one the one thing about the, obviously the firmer grips they feel a lot harder harsher they'll probably start cutting your hands up if you hit a lot of balls um but some people like that firm feel you know like the old velvet cord feel um yeah and some guys want to feel like the cp2 pro or or that spongy, almost like tennis type grip on it. The wind grip yeah. is very spongy. There is no, there can, you know, this is where the F word comes in feel. You know, yeah. Madam Sir, what do you like to feel? Do you want to feel something softer or harder? Oh, well, I quite like this sort of softer, squidgier feel. Okay, well, these are the options. And then they decide what they like. And then the next funny bite is color. But that's a different discussion all along. But, you know, that, that, that can be sorted out. But they did you notice if the compound changes ball flight, Jason? Or yeah, well, I've never done that test. I'd be interested with that one. Uh, I think it probably would because the perception of how your hands feel and how mm. tactile that connection is, it probably would, actually. It probably would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what does make a big difference. If you change grip swing weight-wise, that's a doozy. When someone comes in and says, oh, I've got a set of clubs with on mid-size, yeah. they come in and say, oh, they're too big. I need the standard grip now. Well, if they've been built properly, the swing weight then goes to cock. So now you've got to rebuild them. That's a doozy. That's that's painful. How much would that change mid-size to...? Two or three swing weights. So you go from a clubhead that feels kind of balanced with the mid-size to all of a sudden the clubhead feels really heavy because the grip is about 10 grams lighter or three, yeah, six, six to eight grams lighter. So it can be really difficult, that one. That's a, that one's a hard one. So would then you be or, taking or, or, weight or, or, out of the head or off or the shaft or both? Or vice versa, someone's got a standard, standard grip and go into a, a big oversize or a midsize, then yeah, you've got you've got carnage. Okay. And again, you'd have to re then refit the shaft or no, no, the head no, you probably have to rebuild the club and reweight it with tip weights or it's just it, that, that's a challenge. That is a that is a challenge. So for people out there basically thinking about changing grips, they should be really thinking about, you know, if I change grip size, this is really going to affect how well, it, it, I feel. Right, I'll, I'll use the magic words of pyramid. Potentially, that could be a problem. Okay. Right? But that would depend on how touchy-feely they are. Some people are very, very touchy-feely. Some people would have a sledgehammer and it wouldn't make a difference, right? <laughs> so, so it all depends on the person. Everyone's individual. Some guy wants it big and strong. Some guy wants it sort of, you know, thinny and and weak it all depends you know that would be that, would, that i put that into your call i'm not going to determine your grip size it's no good me saying oh yeah these plus fours you've got to have them they're brilliant well okay they're, they're good if you want to do certain things but equally not for everybody so yeah so you don't i know you just don't fit wedges irons you do putter fittings as well putters yeah look i'll be honest if i if i really 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 got into putter fitting in a big way i would use a quintex system i think that's brilliant um, I spent some time with Paul Hurry and I thought that system was brilliant. I, I used Trackman 4 for putting fitting. Uh, mm. It's good, but I thought the Quintet was stunning. Um, we do a little bit. I look at stroke. I look at, you know, I have to say head weight is a big one for me. I think a lot of people's head weights are a little bit light and they tend to get a few wobbles on the way back. 
So I, I definitely would lean slightly towards a heavier headweight for, for some people than others. Um, uh, and then getting their eyes in the right position, the neck tilt in the right position, feeling comfortable. Um, I think the I think the short game in terms of wedges and putters, there's a big hole to fill for fitting in that, mm-hmm. in that department. I think that's that's the next level, next generation of fitting that's going to be in the industry. I would say. Okay. Look, looking forward, I would say looking forward, ball fitting is starting to become more prevalent. Yeah. But the low hanging fruit is definitely wedge and putter fitting. I think. Okay. Um, Jason, recommended books. Is there any books that you either give to people or you say you should read this? God, books. I've done read a book for ages. Um, uh, yeah, don't ask me what book I've read recently. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be one that you'd want to read. It'd be like ages out of London. Uh, no, uh, you know what? Actually, I don't do the book thing. What I would say is now with YouTube and podcasts and stuff like this, I think people can get their information from all different sources. Mm. I think. I think it depends on if you're a book reader. Um, look, there's some classics out there. John Jacobs' ones obviously stands out as being sort of a seminal book. I guess you've got things like Ledbetter's, you know, thing. You've got the Search for Perfect Swing. You've got Jim's Plain Truth book. You've got, you know, Haney's book. There's a few out there where you go, you know, that's really good. But pretty much, I think now you can get all your information in. Um, I mean, you know internet format or you know viral stuff is there any guys is there any guys you would recommend that they kind of look at on youtube or attend seminars if they're if they're giving just give some shout out to some really good guys that you uh, really respect. No, I, 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 i'll be honest actually i think if someone comes up i think you know psychman would be of interest to me this is to me it's a personal thing so i'm going to answer it as, as me rather than somebody else if james psychman comes over to a short game or stan utley i'm interested yeah. Um, if Jim Hardy or Chris O'Connell comes over, I'm interested. If uh, who's the guy? It's the American guy. Is it Todd Hamilton? No, not the Todd. Um, Scott Hamilton. Scott. 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 If he comes over, I'm interested. If yeah. Cook comes over, you've probably got my you probably got my name on the on the sheet. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a personal friend of Mac O'Grady. I think Mac's a great guy, but getting to see him mm. is like seeing the Pope. But he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's, he's, a, he's a gentleman he's a lovely man um, I have to say I, I enjoy time with Matt Belsham he's very smart I enjoy time with um, I have to say I would love to spend time with someone like Hank Haney because I think he's a genuine gentleman having met him at Wentworth I would love to spend time with him and talk to him about stuff just golf yeah. swing um, forget the tiger nonsense which is golf swing um, mm. I think Manzella is interesting for storytelling and just being one of the guys and just shooting off in a bar. Uh, yeah. Michael Jacobs, in terms of science, um, yeah. with Dr. Steve, is pretty, pretty smart up there. Um, uh, and I'm sure, obviously, you know, we'd all want to spend time with Butch because he's just the best storyteller in the world. But I think, mm. you know, you just wouldn't get him opening up too much. Um in terms of other guys out there, I think Cowan's obviously got his interesting things to sort of talk about. Graham Walker is obviously nice. But these are guys that everyone knows as being elite coaches. But I, I, I definitely would want to spend time with, you know, Sykeman or some of the guys in the short game to understand more about the short game herself, per se. Yeah. There's a lot, I mean, there's a big list there. Of, uh, and there's, there's some similarities there, but there's some new ones, hopefully, that people pick up on as yeah well. look I, I i would love to spend time with scott hamilton i've got to be honest i think yeah. he i think he's very interesting guy i think you know um i think what he works on with some of his players looks like mm, that looks good stuff you know and then his guys are all slightly different in terms of how they swing it but they all can play mm. that's the one thing i would say over the last you know a few years that's changed is that if you went to the college system in the u.s you would come out looking like i robot they all, yeah. they all swung it great but they couldn't play right now it's a bit like the Wild West. You know, if you can hit it and you can and you can show you can play, son, go and play, right? And your technique can be pretty much whatever it wants to be. You know, I, I and I guess, you know, look, you know, Georgie Boy in the US, you know, Double G, whatever you want to call him now or whatever, yeah. Gigi Spring Tips, has kind of made a little niche for himself where he's okay seeing guys swing it funky. I guess, you know, going back to like Jimmy Bruin, right, in the United 
you could you could go funky, but as long as you deliver it in the, in the same way, back to Mr. Jacobs's famous quote, it don't matter. So now the visual of how it looks is now been trumped by how do you deliver it. And if you good. deliver it in a really good way, I ain't touching it. But if you deliver it in a bad way, I will touch it. I think that's what's changed, if I'm being honest. It's how, yeah, deliver, it. how you deliver it rather than how it looks. Where years ago, it had to look good, right? When back in the day, you know, Nick Faldo was your demigod to worship because it looked like it was just pure. Mm. Now, you know, it don't matter. You just stand there and, you know, can you deliver the club and, and square it out? Uh, zero, zero contact. Yeah. So if you only had £100, Jace, what would you get, what would you spend it on to get golfers better? Yeah, probably, you know what? I'm going to say something very controversial now. An iPad cool. stand. Say that again. An iPad stand. An iPad stand. What, to video the... Yeah. To video the, left, the, video the switch yeah. from the same place every time? Yeah. Because you can measure how you can... You can measure how you're getting on. Yeah. you got a few quid left. <laughs> um, I would definitely probably... Oh, I'd buy a hula hoop. Yeah. I'd probably buy a noodle. I'd probably mm. buy some alignment sticks. I'd probably, uh, what else would I do? Uh, what would I do? Impact yeah, impact bag is always a doozy, yeah. But you could probably nick a tire from somewhere. But yeah, you're right. Impact bag's great. Um, I would go pretty much like that because like training aids and stuff like that, I think, you know, the, the sticks, the, the, the alignment aids, the, the noodles, the circles, they, they all stand true. They all work. You know, golf is an inclined game. It's played in a circle. No matter what technique, what school of thought you come at it from, it, it don't change the laws of physics, right? So it's an inclined plane on a circle. How you achieve that, you crack on. So any of these training aids work for, for, for people. Um, um, uh, what else would I, would I spend my... You know what, genuinely, if it was 100 quid and it was a really good golf lesson... I would spend it on a golf lesson. I have no yeah. problem doing that. I, I have no problem paying for something that's really good. I have a problem where I feel like someone's smoking mirrors and doing a bit of a whistles and bells, but I have no problem going anywhere in the world and, and spending hard-earned money on, on someone who knows what they're doing. I've got no problem with that. So if it was 100 quid for a lesson, and it was just half an hour. If it was good, good info, I'd be there tomorrow. Brilliant. Jace, I know the answer to this, but what's your favourite course? Oh, yeah, I don't think you're going to get this. Well, I think it's Loch Lomond. No, Royal, oh. County, Royal County Down or Hollingwell. It's changed then. I always thought it was Loch Lomond. I love Loch Lomond, but if you want to get bitten to death by the midges about now, <laughs> you crack on. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say I, I, I have the privilege of playing Old Head more than once, which was fantastic. I loved it. I, Royal County Down is just unbelievable, special, special. And I've got to say that Hollingwell in Nottingham, but they've just had the open qualifying final yeah. bit, is an unbelievable golf course as well because no two holes go in the same direction. So for me, that's, uh, it's, that's a lovely golf course as well. I think it's a brilliant golf course. But if you put me on the spot, I'd have to be a bit dull and say Royal County Down. Fantastic. We haven't had that one yet, so that's good. Uh, yeah, it's good. As your guest of the day, you get to ask question of the day for the listeners to give us some feedback and uh, get them questioning uh, what they're kind of doing when they're practicing or playing. So your question of the day, please, Jamie. Right. Well, my question is very simple. For the people out there who are working their games, are you practicing with a purpose in mind or are you just bashing balls? Because if it's a numbers game, you're going to lose. So I would always say to somebody, this is where another podcast can be done, I guess. Is what I, my my belief is, and this is only what I've been talking to elite, so I was coaching sort of people. Yeah, you've got to be able to do it under a pressure situation where it's got to mean something, um, and you're working on something. So for me, every time you practice, what is the purpose of the session, and have you recorded it, written it down, or just made a note in your phone about what was good and what was bad. There you go. There's a question for everybody out there to work on. Excellent. So are you practicing with a purpose or are you just having some fresh air and exercise? Yeah, look, yeah, look. And if you're just beating balls for like a beating balls, that's fine. But if you're yeah. genuinely working on your game, then you need to know what you're working on, why you're working on it, and have you worked on it in the right way. And it could be 25 balls or 50 balls or 100 balls or 1,000 balls. But every one of those shots has to mean something. 
Brilliant. Jason, you also get to put out all your social stuff. So where can people find you? Uh, right. Well, Twitter is at Golf Principles, which is uh, you can find that. Our website is www.golfprinciples.co.uk, funny enough. Um, look, people can get hold of me, Google it. I've done a few YouTube stuff over the years. I've done much recently because I've been too busy, which is probably a sad indictment that I haven't made time enough for it. But yeah, look, people can get hold of me, no problem. Happy to help, you know, not anybody. You know, if it's a question worth asking, just, just get hold of me through Twitter and we'll go from there. But like I say, and it's the same for the coaches, by the way. Anyone who listens to you to listen to coaching stuff, you know, if a coach wants to ask a question about something, absolutely get hold of it. We are a collective. And that's the one thing I would want to stress about this is that we are there to support the player. Coaches are not the main show. The player is the one that drives the conversation. So we are a support network for the coach, which in turn is a support network for the player. So we work with with you all, basically. So if you've got any questions, we're happy to, you know, try and help you. Yeah. Now, personally, Jace, thanks very much for all the time you've ever spent with me and teaching me basically windows and bits and pieces no, and looking after pleasure. That's the one thing I think, that's the one thing I would love to have a, a multi-franchise talk on, if you want the US phrase, is that yeah. the teaching and coaching conferences, you know, I think there should be a lot more done to encourage guys who have done stuff to sit there and talk to the younger guys and mentor them and say, look, you know, there's some mistakes that I've made and, you know, what do you want to do and, and facilitate that learning because, you know, if we don't get any better, then we, uh, golfing Darwinism, we die. So I think we have to get ourselves more... Um, you know, open and, as uh, you say, accessible, as a phrase to call it. Yeah, and I know that, um, you know, I've spent many a time down at Golf Principles with yourself, learning about, uh, about fittings and just chewing the fat with you. And as I can, I can say to people out there, if you, if you want to get Jason's attention, make sure you turn up with some cake. Yeah. Here, supply the tea. Uh, you've, given the, you've given the game away now. You've given the game away. <laughs> <laughs> they have to be very special, don't they? As long as they're not salt and vinegar crisps, that's right. It's the one thing that's a definite no-no. Vinegar and salt and vinegar crisps is a definite no-no. So for those of you out there who know me, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, excellent. Jason, thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast. Hope we get some... And hope we get anytime some you want back. help, just let me know. Anytime you want some more stuff, let me know. That's brilliant. Mate, I'll catch up with you soon. Cheers, Dunks. Cheers, yeah. mate. Ciao, bye. Bye. bye.